Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Five sixty, the Joe Radio Rewind, running back some of the best you've heard here on Five Sixty over the past twenty-four hours. Where you at? I am Dan Day, leading you into the Panthers game tonight against Columbus. Doug Plagan's going to be on the call, but in the meantime, we're going to make the most of our time together. Joe Rose Show going to be checking in with Mark Ross, talking all things NFL. Greeny. He's got some basketball analytics he needs to get off his chest. Then my dude dudes, Hawk and Crowder, they are talking to Will Manso. Right now, though, I'm talking some headlines. Duke has withdrawn from the ACC basketball tournament after a member of the program tested positive for COVID-19. Now, following a second-round upset of Clemson yesterday, 67-64, the U's men's basketball team unfortunately fell 70-66 today at the ACC tournament to Georgia Tech. The NCAA has decided that a team only needs five healthy players to be eligible to play in a tournament game. They will later decide on the COVID coaching situation. Eric Spolstra has called Myers Leonard's use of an anti-Semitic slur distasteful and hurtful. The center remains suspended while the team is back in action tonight at 8 against Orlando. The Panthers, they'll play the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight at 7. Florida is currently third in the Central Division. The Chiefs have released former number one pick Eric Fisher and right tackle Mitchell Schwartz. The moves are a part of the team's offensive line rebuild and will save them $18 million in cap space. In spring training baseball, the Marlins and Nationals finish tied at one. Inter-Miami will open its MLS season with a home opener April 18th, 3 p.m. against David Beckham's former team, the LA Galaxy. It will air nationally on TV, ABC, and ESPN. And now, with that being said, you know what time it is. It's time to take a step into the day spa. <sighs> a New Jersey man who disappeared during the recent polar vortex. His body was found under a pile of melting snow. Just another reason I love living in South Florida. An Ohio waitress was surprised when she received a $2,021 tip on a $100 tab. Ooh, gotta be careful where you put that decimal. I'm just saying, $20.21 is 20%. 
Eh? Eh? A man recently sat in bean dip for 24 hours outside a Los Angeles restaurant to raise awareness and business for the establishment that has lost employees to COVID. That's a man of morals. A Ukrainian couple who have grown tired of their on-again and off-again relationship plan to handcuff themselves together for three months in order to make their union work. Uh-oh, you know what I say. Someone's going to lose an arm. A man took to Reddit for people's opinion on if he should break up with his girlfriend after recently finding out she's not a real redhead. I think the bigger question is, what does the rest of her look like? Oh, man. It always looks good in the morning. Rosie, to be in fact. With the Joe Rose Show weekdays from 6 to 10 earlier today, they're talking all things football with Mark Ross, like the QB draft, how he evaluates talent, who Miami's going to pick, and Tua's needs. Mark Ross. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Mark Ross, M-A-R-C-R-O-S-S. Mark, good morning. Thanks for the time, buddy. Good morning. My pleasure. Mark, uh, I'm going to jump into this part because you are familiar with evaluation and scouting, and I want you to help me out after all the years of sitting down here and trying to find quarterbacks and, and, and players <laughs> in, in general. So uh, you, you've been told by the Giants or the Eagles, look, we got to go look at Zach Wilson, Fields, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. We we want you to go out. You got you got a couple of days to go out and look at them. Tell me how you evaluate those guys. Um, how much is done on tape, in person, competition, talent they played with, the way they walk and talk, all that stuff. Help me out if you would. Yeah, well, all of that. So my second year in the league, that was the year that when I was with the Eagles and we had the Donovan McNabb where we drafted McNabb. And that year was Tim Couch and Achilles Smith, Cade McNabb, Dante Culpepper. So there was that group of guys that we had to evaluate all those guys. And it first starts with, with just your area scouts and how they evaluate them during the fall. Uh, and then once you just start identifying the players that are going to be at the top, then you just basically postseason – I mean, you've got the all so back then you, the senior bowl was really important. Donovan actually played in the senior bowl, but in the combine and, and you want to sit down with those guys as much as possible. Uh, their pro days. We had, we had a group of guys at the end where from the owner to the head coach, offense coordinator, general manager, just a traveling caravan wow. that kind of went to each facility, each building to, to see those guys. We had them all into Philadelphia to be at our facility, just to sit down, talk with the coaches, see how they would, you know, deal with the Philadelphia crowd and media. We had one guy, and I won't (laughs) say which one, but he got there and he was like, wow, look at all these big buildings around here. So we knew, like, he can't be in Philadelphia. So it it has to be the, the fit on the field as far as the talent and how they play, but also how they represent your organization and your city. And um, you really just dig deep into every single aspect of these players possible. Yeah, because I, I was looking at the, the four guys, and I, I threw out Trevor Lawrence in case you didn't notice. Urban's already worked them out. They're good to go. But, but I was wondering about we got a BYU guy. We got North Dakota State guy. So I hear about, well, they, you know, they haven't played against anybody. Yeah, they've got talent. Then I hear you got Ohio State and Alabama guy who played on, let's be honest, loaded teams really good offensive yep. lines really good teams so how important is you look at all is that all that stuff come into play as well well you, definitely you want to look at the level of competition but you also have to make it fair when you look at the level of competition because as you mentioned okay well be why you didn't play anybody but let's talk about clemson and alabama did they really play anybody i mean they're just it's really the varsity versus the jv Clemson's in the ACC and Alabama's in the SEC. They have no competition except for a couple games a year. You know, but this, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence. 
they beat people by an average of 30 points a game. And he only beat six ranked teams. And one of the, you know, three of those were his freshman year. So the yeah. last two years, you know, they beat 22nd ranked Miami, who you guys down there, I don't want to talk about the Hurricanes, the U, but were they really a, a good team? And they beat Syracuse a couple of years ago, Notre Dame twice. So is that legitimate competition? So you have to make it fair when you're comparing the level of competition and say, yes, the, the Mountain West is not the same as the SEC, but the level of difference between Alabama and, and Mississippi State is tremendous. And it's so easy for Alabama to beat teams. It's so easy for Clemson to beat teams in the ACC that that level of competition is not comparable either. You have to c- compare those guys in the game. Yeah. Uh, specifically, let's say Trevor Lawrence, when he plays Ohio State, when he plays uh, Alabama, uh, when he played LSU last year. Those are the games you really have to focus on if you want to talk about equal level of competition. Just one more follow-up to that then. Is Mac Jones hard to evaluate just because some are going to say, well, same situation as Tua, man. Throwing to the best, best offensive line, big horse behind him. How do you evaluate yeah. Mac Jones? It, it, it's, in, uh, it's not hard for me. For some, it's hard. It, it's what you have to do is look at the plays that will transfer to the NFL. So when you see Mac Jones sitting back in the pocket with no one within six yards of him and he's not getting pressured and he's looking down the field and he's got Devontae Smith open by five yards and he's got Jalen Waddell open for, with, by five yards <laughs> and a running back, Najee Harris, those aren't NFL plays because they're not realistic. You have to boil it down and look at those guys, and Trevor Lawrence as well, to the plays that look like NFL plays where there's some sort of pressure, where there's tight coverage, where there's some sort of scheming and blitzing, and you really have to throw out those what I call layup plays because they're not – you will never see that sort of uh, a seven-on-seven sort of situation in the NFL. It's all about how things are hard and difficult and how those quarterbacks overcome – those difficult situations. Mark, the Miami Dolphins are going to be in the free agent market or drafting market for a running back. Uh, what is your kind of thought process from someone who's in that office, in that front office, of overpaying for a guy in free agency at that position or just drafting guys until hopefully you find the right fit? Like, would you pay 12 or $13 million for a guy in free agency, free agency this year, or would you go out and draft a guy, especially if it's Alabama or Clemson's running back? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I don't know Aaron Jones has been linked to the Dolphins right. a lot, and but I, I just wouldn't overpay for a running back in, in free agency. It's, and you just all you have to do is look at the history and look at the importance of the position and look at the players who are good in the NFL now. You know, Aaron Jones was a, not a first-round pick, second-round pick. He was, I believe, a fifth-round pick. So uh, you, you have to look at what the value of the running back position is and the history of paying big money for those type of guys. And I think the Dolphins could address some other needs with the money that they have, and even with their high draft picks, and get a running back or two, you know, load up at that position, help bolster that position. It's definitely a position of need, but not one where you sacrifice your earning, your, your money that you have and the high draft picks to take a running back because I just don't think their value is that high. Mark, uh, we've been dealing with Deshaun Watson and the, the Tua stuff a lot. I know you guys have talked about it too uh if the Deshaun Watson thing doesn't happen and he ends up I I don't know what the Texans are going to do but but uh, you're already laughing I know they don't know what they're going to do either I knew that's what you were thinking (laughs) they woke up today today what are we doing Thursday Friday what is it (laughs) call him see if he's in a better mood over there we want to try to talk to him again but uh I want to ask you one of one of the things that seems to be the most popular and again 
our front office, our coach, they don't talk. They're keeping everything pretty much top secret. But building around Tua, getting him more weapons, getting one of those top receivers, getting a back, and going forward to see what he can do with this offensive line going into year two with all these young guys. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think they have to give him to another chance. I think that the Deshaun Watson thing is not going to happen. It's malpractice that it's got. I've been saying this since day one with that. It's malpractice what they've done to him there, a Hall of Fame-type quarterback, maybe the second or third best quarterback in the NFL. It's malpractice. But that being said, uh, with Tua, you drafted him that high. You, invest, you have to invest in him and see what he can do. You know, they didn't take him at five just because they thought he couldn't play. You know, that To say a year from now we're going to get rid of him. So you have to do everything possible to make sure uh, that he, he gets he maximizes his potential if it is there. You know, with that being said, you know, when I watched him last year, he just got the ball out of his hand so quick and, you know, just didn't seem comfortable in the pocket. And those are some concerns I had about him and coming out of college. But with that being said, you, you have to kind of find players that if he is that guy that you saw last year to kind of fit more of helping him with that, and, and that is get those new kind of receivers that are more like running backs where they, they just run the shorter routes and they can get the ball in their hands and make things happen or get a playmaking tight end who can beat guys – uh, quickly off the ball that he can get the ball into their hands and, and um, uh, you know, make plays in that or jump ball type uh, playmakers that uh, he can just chuck it up to. So if he's the guy, what are his skill sets? What does he do well? Let's try to fit those right. players around his skill set to bring out the best into a to- totally agree. Totally agree with that part. Um, Jamar, are you now? Do you have a crush on Jamar Chase, or are you more Devonte Smith, or do you like Waddle because he's faster than the other two? Which way would you go if you're the Dolphins, knowing they lacked big plays last last year and not having number one receivers that were healthy? What do you do? Yeah, well, Jamar Chase, I think is the, in my view, the I, I like Devonte Smith. I think there's some concerns about Waddle. These speed guys kind of concern me. Just the history of those sort of guys. But I think Jamar Chase is, I mean, he's gifted and he didn't play this year, but the year before, you know, he was the number one guy at LSU and we all know about Justin Jefferson and what he did this year in the NFL. And he was the number two guy. And so just imagine what Jamar Chase can do. And he really shows you everything you want in a, in a number one playmaking pro bowl type receiver with the routes and the hands and the strength and the confidence and the run after catch. So I really like him. Devontae Smith's a good player. He's slick. He knows how to play. The production is off the charts. But I think here's a wild card for, for Miami. You talk about, you know, you, you, you can get a bunch of good receivers, but there's a guy out there and he's in your state who named Kyle Pitts from Florida, the tight end, who Ooh. if you want to talk about a unique player, there's nobody like Kyle Pitts in this draft. And I haven't done a, a tight end like this guy in, in, since I've been scouting. You know, the great tight ends that are in the wow. league now, the Kelseys and, and those kind of guys, they weren't highly rated guys. You know, Vernon Davis was the highest tight end at number six, and this guy so much better than Vernon Davis, you know, back in the day. Really? He, he's so wow. unique and he's so gifted and rare in what he can do as far as a receiver and uh, a playmaker that if I'm looking at the board, I'm like, okay, there's a bunch of receivers, but there's nobody like Kyle Pitts, and I think he would be a perfect fit for what – would help to it down there. Mark, would you take Pitts over Chase at three? If that was the case, if that was you making that decision? I would because, again, the drop-off between Kyle Pitts and the next tight end, there's, no, there's nowhere close. And when you stack a board, when you talk about you hear about needs versus uh, value or who's the best player, best player available versus that, you know, they're close. But I think Kyle Pitts, uh, you, you can find a receiver, and you mentioned a bunch right there just with, 
Jamar Chase, and I love Jamar Chase, right. but what Kyle Pitts can do and, and give you is so unique that um, I, I would go Kyle Pitts. Darn, Mark, I had a, we had a full count, and you were pitching. You just threw me a change-up <laughs> on a full count, man. I did not yeah. see that coming. I just whiffed. I just absolutely <laughs> whiffed on that one. That was <laughs> – I wasn't expect. I thought you were going to talk about the wide receiver with the Florida Gators. Uh, hey, he, he can be no, Kadarius Tony. He's a, he fits what I was talking about too, though, with two and needs. And so if they if they go, they could go, they could take two guys. You know, they take one there and take Tony later on in, in the first. And but he is that type of player that right. I was talking referring to as yeah. far as what two and needs. Where Kadarius Tony didn't run a lot of downfield routes and do a bunch of the, we they, they threw they he turned around they threw him the ball Kadarius go make some plays. And that's kind of what they did with him at Florida, with, at Florida. And I think that's what Tua will need uh, because he gets the ball out of his hand so quickly right now. And that'll give him that comfort level to, to use him in that sort of gadget way. Mark, we haven't talked about free agent wide receivers. Uh, Galladay or Will Fuller do anything for you if the Dolphins want to get some experience, a wide receiver, whether we're talking 1A or 1B or maybe a 2? Yeah, no, Will Fuller, no. Uh, Galladay more so, where, where he's a he's that type of you know Will Fuller's a speed guy. He's been hurt, and I, I just not a buyer in him. But Galladay is also that sort of guy where he can he can make plays up in the air. And again, that's that's the other thing that Tua would need a, a player where oh man, let me just chuck it up and let this guy make make plays over defenders. He doesn't have to be wide open to get him the ball. Um, so if the if the money works out with Galladay, I think he would be a good fit for the Dolphins much more so than over Will Fuller. What about Juju Smith, uh, Smith-Schuster or like John Brown who was cut yesterday? Either of those guys kind of make you uh, smile in the free agent market? Uh, Juju, not so much. John Brown, not so not Not, not, not a whole bunch. I mean, if you, gotta, if you get him right. at the right price. And, and John Brown, again, the concern with him is what his skill set is, just run down the field deep. He's a deep threat and, uh, you know, we'll – does that fit what Tua does well? And I don't think it does. Juju is some of the concerns about, is it about the team? Is it about Juju? I don't think that they really need that down there in Miami right now. Coach Flores ain't putting up with that uh, little uh, that little video before the game <laughs> on uh, out at the 50. Talking before the game, yeah. Oh, Coach yeah. Flores, that will go over like it would have with Don Shula. That ain't flying, man. That's got no <laughs> shot. Mark, thank you, buddy. Coach, I don't want to hear this pregame speech. Let me go out and do this TikTok. <laughs> yeah, this right. I'm going to go out there. Yeah, right. Let me TikTok, and then I'll get back to uh, football there, Coach. <laughs> Mark, thank you, buddy. Really appreciate you spending time with us. Sure. Thank you. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. You take care, guys. Football and TikTok, that is what it is all about. It's going to be an exciting offseason for the Dolphins. All that capital, all the possibilities. Oh, all the imagination is going to be going wild. Don't have to imagine Greeny. He's on your radio from 10 to noon daily. Earlier, he had something to get off his chest. With the NBA getting set to start the second half of their season, coming off the All-Star break and everything else, I want to talk about one of the most misused, misrepresented, and misunderstood words in sports, and that word is analytics. Fun with analytics and greenie next, plus it is a holiday. We'll celebrate in a few here on 560 The Joe Radio Rewind. Five sixty, the Joe Radio Rewind. Running back some of the best you've heard here on 560 over the past 24 hours. 
Hola, I'm Dan Day on social media at Dan Day Radio, leading you up to the Panthers versus the Columbus Blue Jackets game. Doug Plagan's going to be on the call, so get yourself ready for that. You always got to get yourself ready for some greeny legend in the game. Legend hot taker also. He's got a hot take for you right here. Basketball analytics and oh yeah, he's saying the big man in basketball, a dinosaur. This is something I've been holding on to for a little while, and the subject seems particularly important now. With the NBA getting set to start the second half of their season, coming off the All-Star break and everything else, I want to talk about one of the most misused, misrepresented, and misunderstood words in sports, and that word is analytics. Now, bear in mind, I sit next to Hembo, and Hembo has become one of my most trusted colleagues ever. And Hembo, I think it's fairly safe to say that your life basically consists of two things, your wife, Lizzie, and analytics. And not always in that order. Correct. I mean, let's put it this way. I know that you put together Lizzie's war before you made the decision to propose to her, no right? Doubt. You know exactly what the... That's what, in the spreadsheet. What are some of the other uh, stats that you told me? OPS plus, the, weighted runs created. Yeah, all that stuff. I know that you, you put together all of that before you made the decision to get down on one knee. So, so here's the problem. With the word analytics, it's an ugly word. It's lifeless. It's bloodless. Advanced statistical analysis. No one gets excited about anything that's called that. And no one dreams of someday doing it. We dream of hitting a home run to win the World Series. We dream of catching a touchdown in the Super Bowl. But here's the deal. Analytics are sports now. They've taken over. People are making decisions upon which millions of dollars rest. And they are not going to do that on a hunch in sports. Any more than you would if you ran a network or an automaker or an airline or literally anything else. So what are the implications of analytics on sports? Because they are extraordinary. And I'm going to separate them now into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Analytics are the best thing ever to happen to football. That is the good. Through math, people figured out that passing the football, going for it on fourth down, going for two, taking more risk, trying to increase offense, those things make sense in the pursuit of winning. And they also, purely coincidentally, happen to be the best things about the sport. They make it way better, more exciting. So analytics have been great for football and football fans. Let's leave that to the side. The bad is baseball. The most perfect and beautiful game we ever invented has been turned into a slog. Where the ball is never in play, there are never late-game confrontations between legendary pitchers and sluggers, and even the home run has become humdrum. Math and the pursuit of winning have made the game much less watchable, to the point that the leadership of the sport has taken steps to change rules to limit parts of it. Good for them. That's the right thing to do. That's their job. So that's the bad. But what I really want to talk about today is the ugly, and that is basketball. I'm here to tell you that analytics and the way of the three-point shot have become a real problem for the sport. And there's a part of me that almost gets choked up saying this to you because I can hear my father's voice in my ear. He was the first person I ever heard say that. He said, Michael, the three-point shot is the worst thing that ever happened to basketball. This is when they first brought it in. He would say, that's not what this game is. My father loved basketball like you wouldn't believe. And he went all the way back. Dick McGuire was his favorite player. My father went to City College, CCNY, in New York at the time that they won the NCAA and NIT in the same year, something no school will ever do again. In those days, you could play in both of them, and they did while my father was a student there. I think he fell in love with basketball at that moment and never stopped. And he hated the three-point shot. And he would always tell me, Michael, the objective of this beautiful game 
is to play in synchronicity and pass the ball around so that someone gets the best possible shot as close as possible to the basket. Now, I would always tell them, you need to adapt to the times. You need to adjust. But now I think I've come to the conclusion that he was right. The big man is a dinosaur. We talked earlier in the show about how being the center of the Los Angeles Lakers is like the most prestigious thing in sports. How ridiculous does that sound? My son doesn't even know what that means. What is a center, Dad? Is, is he the guy who just protects the rim and, and, and you throw him alley-oops? No, the center was supposed to be the best player on the team, the most important player on the team, the biggest star in the sport. The mid-range game, done. This is not as much fun to watch. And Kevin Arnovitz, very quickly, Hembo, tell everyone who Kevin Arnovitz is. An ESPN NBA writer. Okay, he did a magnificent deep dive into this, which I assigned Hembo to read for me because it was endless. And I said, you need to distill this down to the most important pieces of it. And he comes up with a conclusion that I have been considering for a while. And that is that multiple league insiders say that as the rate of three-pointers has exploded, the NBA has reached critical mass. The three-ball has created a monotonous rhythm to each game. It has distorted the scoring system that determines wins and losses. And Daryl Morey, who's now the president of the Sixers, who was the, the beginning of all this. He, he was the one who brought analytics to basketball. He's the Bill James of basketball. And he did it because he's smart. He went to Northwestern. And he's smart. And he figured out, he'd started figuring this out before most other people did. But he's the one pointing out the problem. He says, with all sports, you want there to be a strategic dynamic where there are multiple paths to victory. Let's make it clear what he means. There's a lot of different ways to win. He says, the way this is going now, it's unbalanced. The reward given for the three is 50% greater than the reward for the two. That's out of balance. And what he's telling you is we're getting to a point now where there's really only one way to win. That if you're not just hoisting up threes, you can't win. You can't win with defense. You can't win with this. And with that, there's a lot of different ways to play baseball. There's a lot of different ways to play football. He's saying that the real concern is there could become only one way to play basketball. And I just want you to think about this. It's a lot of numbers. But given the 50% premium for a shot that is almost never 50% more difficult, trying to convince teams, players, executives, and others to not take threes is to tell them, don't do everything you can to win. And no one wants to do that. Let me give you some numbers. Including the playoffs, there have been 61 games in NBA history that have featured at least 93s. 45 of those have happened since the start of last season. The three-pointer now represents 40% of all field goal attempts. That's up 61% over the last 10 years. If you think about this, the teams right now are averaging 112 points a game. The lowest scoring team in the NBA, the Cavaliers, are averaging 104.6 points a game. That would have been first in the league 10 years ago. Last in the league in scoring today would have been first in the league 10 years ago. Let me give you a quick number here. Comparing to last season... The Mavericks recorded the highest offensive efficiency in a season in recorded history. This season, it would rank sixth. That's in one year. So this isn't changing unless someone changes it. Hot take greenie right there. I don't know. I like the threes when my team's making them. <laughs> my team is Hawk and Crowder. It's hanging with those dudes earlier today. Going to be hanging with them tomorrow. We're going to hear from them next. They're rubbing elbows with local tens. Will Manso. Hold tight. This is 560 The Joe Radio Rewind.
560 The Joe Radio Rewind. Running back some of the best you've heard here on 560 over the past 24 hours. How you doing? I am Dan Day on social media at Dan Day Radio, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards, celebrating a little 311 day with some 311. Amber, it's the color of my energy. 311 Day used to always be a big celebration in New Orleans. The band would come, they'd play at the UNO Lakefront Arena, which is right there on Lake Pontchartrain, University of New Orleans. It goes like this. And if you got some energy for the Panthers game, you better. They're having a great season. They are going to be on in just a couple of minutes, playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. Doug Plagan's going to have the call. My man, Matt Biff Wilson, going to be in studio making sure things run right. It's going to be good stuff. I guarantee you want to talk about 311, Doug Plagans is your guy. The guy knows about food court food, dining, traveling, and music. True renaissance man. Like I said, he's going to bring you on a journey tonight with that Panthers game. Pre-game starts at 7 o'clock. The puck's going to drop around 7-10, something like that. And you know we're going to cover it all for you right here on 560 The Joe. Always have you covered in the afternoons from 2 to 6 with Hawk and Crowder. Been hanging with those guys this afternoon. Solana taking a little staycation. He and his lady just enjoying life. Hey, can't hate on that. I might go down to the beach tonight when I get off of work. Make some phone calls, have a few brewskis, stare out into the moonlit water. Ah, the beach at night. It's not the beach during the day, but almost as good. Not as good, almost as good. I'm rambling, though. Let's get to Hawk and Crowder doing their thing. They're hooking up with local tins, Will Manso. They touch on Myers Leonard. They grade some players and just do the usual Hawk and Crowder craziness. Will Manso. We haven't spoken with Will in a while. Will is the sports director at Local 10 here in Miami. He will be hosting the pregame and the halftime and the postgame show on the Heat broadcast tonight on Fox Sports Sun. And uh, Will Manso is joining us now. Uh, Obviously, a lot to cover because it's the first game back since the uh, All-Star break. We've got the Myers-Leonard nonsense that we can broach. Uh, and the, the jerseys, Will. The Heat will be debuting their earned uh-huh. edition jerseys. Now, true or untrue, the color was originally called matzo ball soup yellow, but Myers-Leonard objected <laughs> to it. I'm staying away from that one. It's, okay, it's fair enough. That, that was more for me than you. It was, was all about the delivery. It had nothing to do with the answer. Um, <laughs> so what uh, the Heat, uh, just to get it out of the way here at the beginning, the Heat, uh, Myers-Leonard has been suspended uh, from team activities and the, the facility for a week and fined $50,000, right? I mean, I think in the pantheon of other instances like this where something has been said that was inappropriate, that falls in line. Yeah, I think it also has to do with just the you know the collective bargaining the agreements the league has for situations like this with players, the players' association and teams, and what they dictate as far as fines. And look, when you talk about fifty thousand dollars to a guy who's making nine million dollars for not playing this year, it doesn't seem like much given what he said and how you know how difficult the last forty eight hours have been for the Heat organization and for. Let's face it, so many people in, in and out of the Jewish community in South Florida, just the, the, what he said was unacceptable. So I don't think there's a monetary value that you could place and say, okay, that'll get him. I mean, there's a bigger picture here. And what I've told people who've asked me today about it, hey, is it enough? 
Of course it's not enough. I mean, there needs to be more in the sense of, yeah, he needs to understand what he said and, and understand why he said it if he didn't know what that word allegedly. But, I mean, at the same time, there, this has got to be step one of this process. It can't just be like, okay, you know, come back next week, cheer the team on, and everything's okay. I think we all know there, this, is, this can't be just it. Myers, I, uh, you're around him a lot more than me. I've never even looked a man in his eyes, you know, face-to-face. i just seen him on TV. I would say Richie Incognito. And I knew him personally. I was a teammate of him. When he came out and there was a video of him saying a racial slur, you know, in a bar without a shirt on, all, it didn't surprise me. Like, you know, I'm almost like a character witness. If they brought me in, I'd be like, no, 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 that's Richie. What you know of Myers, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not saying defend him, but what you know of Myers, was this, like, did this blow your mind about him? I mean, it did. And, you know, and I'll, and I'll defer to the people who know him even better. I mean, I cover it, I've covered him the last couple of years. He's a very likable guy as far as his personality, his wife, Ellie. They're wonderful people. They've done great in the community to assimilate themselves in the community and, and really seem to care. And I, and I don't think that's, that's not genuine. I do believe that there's a good person there that's tried to be the best he can, but I think we all know there are a couple things with that. You know, sometimes an image is not the truth, which may not be the case here. And sometimes people just genuinely make mistakes and need to learn from them. And, and if you talk to he players who know him and, and they'll tell you straight up, this is the last guy we thought would be caught in a situation like this and say a word like that and, and just get caught on camera and, you know, in the way he said it and with the lack of regard for what it meant, even if he didn't understand what it meant, obviously he knew it was a negative word. It's not like he said it as a compliment to someone. He was trying to insult someone he was playing in a, in a, in a laughing matter that he was playing a video game with. So to answer your question, no, there's, there's just nothing that would ever let you believe that he has this in him and that he's this type of person. And I think that's why you probably had so much from the heat, it took them a while to come up with a statement. I think it took everybody by surprise that they were just like, okay, what do we say to this? This is awful, and I can't believe this is the person who said this atrocity. This is a person we trust, love, and believe in, and he did something, said something so awful. I wonder if he had said it in a jovial or um, complimentary manner, if it would have been a different uh, scenario. Crowder, say it to me as a, uh, as a compliment, and I'll tell you how I react to it. Stop. Hey, uh, Will, what'd you have for breakfast this morning, Will? You, uh, um, you a light like, guy? Will's like, why did I tell these guys I'd come on again? I, I, had, uh, I had Tyler Hero cereal. That's what I had for breakfast. Uh, all right, use your crystal ball. I'm done talking about that stuff anyway. I want to talk about basketball. Uh, use your crystal ball, Will. The second half of the Heat season will be blank. I think they're going to be 23 and 13. I think they're going to have a very strong second half. They have one of the easier schedules in the second half. I think they're getting guys healthy on top of the fact that even before they had the full nucleus of players that they've been playing well the last 15 games, at least defensively. I think the offense is going to come along. I think Duncan's going to get going. I think that's going to be a priority. And I do think they make a minor move at some sort, whether it's signing a player who gets bought out or making a minor deal. I don't think this roster that you see now is going to be the roster heading to the playoffs. I, I think the key parts of it are, but I do think there'll be a tweak somewhere. But I, I just think this team is going to figure it out in time to be playing their best basketball into the playoffs. Of course, we know that in this kind of year, with everything going on and injuries and COVID and stuff, anything can just blow up and go up in the air. But I think is the way they enter the second half. I feel good about this team, as good as you can feel about a 500 team heading into the second half with this particular team. And you talk about adding another piece, and I'm there with you, I think. You know, especially if they want to really compete in the East with, you know, what the Nets are doing, Celtics playing ball, the 76ers right now. They have the MVP on their team and with Embiid. What about the, the Avery Bradleys? 
like in the Mo Harkless, I kind of gave up on Mo. I'm not going to lie, Will. But Avery Bradley, do you see those guys contributing to the second half of the season? Because they really weren't, you know, they didn't affect the first half of the season. Yeah, and I said, look, two parts to your question, really. Number one is, real quick on a player, there are players out there that can help the same way that, that Jay Crowder and Andre Guadalla did last year. You're not going to make a move where you're going to match the Nets or star power. It's just not going to happen. The Nets have three of the best players in the NBA on the roster. They're, they're built that way, the Heat or not. That's just not the way this roster is. So I think it'll be a secondary-type move like last year, but that was very impactful. But to your question, I mean, look, Avery Bradley in himself is almost like a trade. If he's healthy, it's just the Avery Bradley that the Heat thought they were getting. He's a very important piece to this team in the second half and in the playoffs. I mean, he his perimeter defense, his leadership, his ability to ball handle and make shots in certain situations. I mean, that is like a trade in itself to get him anywhere close to the player that they believe he still is. And I think he still is. Not an old guy. I mean, how old is Avery Bradley? 29, 30 years old. He's not an old guy. Uh, but the key is you got to get him healthy. Spo said last night that he's getting there, that this isn't a, a surgery or long-term issue any further than just getting to that comfort level, back to basketball shape and healthy. And that could come soon. Mo Harkless, man, I'd love to be, I'd love to tell you that I feel he has a role on this team, but if he hasn't yet, I don't see how that's just going to all of a sudden appear that he's a piece that, that works for some reason or the other. I like Mo Harkless, the player. I was an advocate of signing him when they, when they got him and thought he could help. It didn't work. And sometimes moves, you look back and you say, man, that didn't work. And for whatever reason, it hasn't been a fit. And I, I wouldn't get my hopes up on it being a fit in the second half of the season. Yeah, we uh, we read earlier in the week, you know, Ira Winderman did his uh, midseason grades. So as the All-Star break was there, uh, the only Heat player that he gave an F to was Mo Harkless. And, and you know, a couple <laughs> players got incompletes, of course. But the only one that got an F was Mo Harkless. So as we embark here... Um, the second half of the season. By the way, you'll hear the game tonight on 790, the ticket. Of course, you can watch it on Fox Sports Sun. But Ira's grades for the Heat in the first half of the season, I don't know if you read it in the Sun Sentinel or not, the only player that he gave an A to was Jimmy Butler. And we've talked a couple times on this show, you know, did Bam deserve an A? Because Ira didn't give it to him. Uh, he gave, a, I think, a B-plus to Bam, a B to Goron and Tyler and Kendrick uh, Nunn and Duncan Robinson. Um, in your opinion, if you did first half of the season grades, is Jimmy Butler the only A? Well, first of all, I only read Local10.com articles, so I, I haven't read Ira's articles. <laughs> all right, fair <laughs> enough. Yep. I'm contractually obligated to only read Local10 articles. So, But to your point, look, I, I think you could say a 500 team that you know had all kinds of ups and downs, it's, it's okay to say that only one player played his best. And for that, you can almost say Jimmy's sort of an incomplete because he had to miss so many games. I mean, he's an A, but he's an A having still missed, you know, 15 games or whatever it is. It's hard to say Bam's not an A because he's made such a big jump. I think people are so hard on Bam because they expect him to just – he made a significant jump, and now they expect him to make the next jump to, like, Hall of Fame player within the same season. I would give Bam an A. I don't see any reason otherwise. I mean, people get on top of him with his aggression, but they lose sight that he does everything else. And, you know, and to me, Bam is, is this – band that we've seen in the first half was a significant jump even from the band of last year that averaged what what the 18 you know, 17 10 and 5 or whatever it was i mean he's just been phenomenal uh, but i think the other guys sure there's a lot of grades that are kind of incomplete because we haven't seen this unit together so it's okay to say that they're this team isn't close to being an a grade or where they want to be because let's face it they're 500 i mean no matter what the excuses are they are 500 they need to be better in the second half and they know that 
And to to that uh, conversation about Bam, will like what 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 does he need to do? Is it an outside shot? Is he does he have to step behind the line, develop that to be able to stretch the floor more? Is that point center that he plays? Like you're talking about him developing. If it's this year, or if it's you know down the line next year, a couple years from now, what would make Bam get his respect around the league? I think the consistency in his shots, you know, and the amount of shots it takes. Everybody talks about with him, it's like it's the number. Like he doesn't take enough shots sometimes. He doesn't act aggressive enough. But, again, they lose sight. Two things that Bam's massive improvement this year. He's like an 85% or something, 80-plus percent free-throw shooter, which is huge for a guy that handles the ball as much and that gets to the line and, it's, you know, in big situations. That's a huge jump. Number two is we've seen the jumper improve, but I feel like people want him to take 10, 12 jumpers a game, and it's okay. You don't have to. I mean, he likes to feel out when he's going to take that shot or pass or whatever it is. I think if you could say in his improvement, sure. I think the next step is the consistency in his aggression, which he has said. He has said, I know Heat fans get get kind of rolled their eyes when he says it, but he's just being honest. I mean, one of his steps is getting comfortable and recognizing that at times he can be a little passive in attacking because Bam's game is so centered around making the right basketball plays and doing everything. Now, that's not as significant when it comes to Jimmy on nights that Jimmy isn't aggressive because Jimmy does so many other things as well and gets to the line in big moments. So Jimmy kind of has that advantage of time and experience on Bam. I think the way Jimmy plays is kind of where you want Bam to be, where there are nights he'll take 18, 20 shots, but there are nights he'll take 10 or 12 and do a lot of other things. It's just consistency, guys. I really think that's the answer, and I think he knows it. But then again, he's, what, 23 and just evolving into a star player. You've got to be patient to know he will get even better over time. Will Manso is with us. All right, the jerseys tonight, the uh, the earned jerseys are going to debut tonight for the Miami uh-huh. Heat. Now, I think that they've done a genius job diffusing some of the criticism of the jerseys by having the limited number, and they're only wearing them three times, uh-huh. you know, because of the the three titles. I think that I, that happens to be another genius marketing move by Michael McCullough. Uh-huh. I said this yesterday. I think you're probably in agreement, but I said this yesterday on the show. The Heat and Michael McCullough, who's their chief marketing officer, they hit home run after home run with just about everything that they do. So if they come out with a jersey and people don't take to it very much, they think it looks like Pacers jersey, they think it looks like mustard yellow, not trophy gold, if they whiff once in a while, there's no harm, no foul. And it's okay to criticize and go, you know what? It's not the best earned jersey out there. They had the best city jerseys for the longest. Those vice jerseys, I mean, knocked everyone else in the mouth. But the earned jerseys, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. But, you know, Solana yesterday, he's dying to get one. I've seen a bunch of people now yeah. that there's only six-plus thousand of them that are going to be distributed yeah. uh, that are now dying to get one. So, it is what it is. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna save judgment though till I see them play tonight in those jerseys. Here's how I feel. It, it, look, number one is my initial reaction was, you know, you said some of us you can strike out. I mean, it was like a swinging bunt when I first saw the picture. It was like, <laughs> hey, I, I, wait, what's what is this color? Then as I've gotten an understanding of what it means, the striping in the uniform, the NBA said, hey, you need to use a color of your scheme. And Michael McCullough and the Heat behind the scenes thought, hey, let's let's use trophy gold. It's something we don't normally use. So now I understand that the limiting and look, it, it's brilliant marketing. Here's a jersey we're not sure you're going to really buy into the color, right? We're not sure if you're really going to understand what we're trying to do, which I understand it now, but I think a lot of people may not right off the bat. 
and we're going to limit how many you can get. So we're not going <laughs> to mass produce it and throw it out there and suffocate the market. So it's actually brilliant marketing because we're not sure you like it, so we're not going to give you that many. And, <laughs> and in the end, I, I want to see it tonight. The more I hear about it, again, it's the trophy gold. It represents It is part of the Heat's four colors, and it's only being used for three games. So it's it, to me, it's it's kind of cool and different, but sure, it's not going to have the popularity and the, I think the passion from people who love it, like the vice jerseys. Those are like you said, those are home runs. It's hard to hit a home run with every swing. Wow, running the gamut of sports right there, talking basketball with the New Jersey's hitting home runs. Of course, we've got the Florida Panthers coming up in just a few minutes. Doug Plagan's going to have the call in the studio. Will be. Matthew Biff Wilson, he's about to walk in here. He's in the other studio getting ready, but he is helping me out as we lead up to the Panthers game. Is there a chance, Biff, that we get a two for tonight? A Heat win and a Panthers win. I mean, Panthers have won three of the last four games, looking good, especially the last time they played a back-to-back. They beat the Nashville Predators both times, so that's always a nice one. And the Heat, plenty of rest. I mean, nobody really played in the All-Star game. Nobody participated in All-Star weekday challenge so i mean plenty of rest and i mean the lot they want to go out there you want to beat your in-state rival and you got to be feeling good right now about the panthers not just doug plagans on the call in a couple of minutes with the pregame but they recently beat the blue jackets and they're not playing the hurricanes tonight that is always the key as long as they're not playing the lightning or hurricanes you could almost you could usually feel really confident about it he got orlando that's that interstate rivalry right there they looked well i'm not going to say good against the pelicans but They won against the Pelicans, got some good momentum. They're going to have the new jerseys on. Very exciting times. I think we get the two for tonight. Hey, you know what? I'm hoping they do. And you know what? A little rise to get back to where they were last year. Getting some playoff talk, stuff like that. A lot of controversy around them. It's a much-needed W tonight. Much-needed W tonight for both teams because if you're the Panthers, you want to keep, pardon the expression, the heat going. They want to keep winning the heat. Want to keep the heat going. They want to keep winning. Get above 500. Very, very exciting. Very, very fun. Panthers always looking good. Always feeling good. Bobrovsky, have you been impressed? Last game, he stopped everything almost. Hey, he's looking good. I mean, he has a little bit of pressure under him with the other guy behind him. So it always kind of it's a nice. It's a, it's always nice to see your uh, very expensively paid goalie doing well, right? So a diamond maybe turned into coal. Now he's getting the pressure again. Turning back into a diamond. Exactly. That's what you like to see. Oh, Biff. Tell us where we can find you on Twitter real quick. Uh, you can find me at MattW560. Ah, oh, Biff, always doing a great job. You've got the game tonight. Doug Plagan's on the call. I'm hearing Greeper is out there helping out. Doug Plagan's knows a little something about 311 Day because today is 311 Day. Your favorite 311 song? I can't think of one. I know the band. I can't think off the top of my head, man. I'm sorry. I'm just going with Down. Amber is great. Down. Beautiful Disaster. All of them so good. I do know Beautiful Disaster. Beautiful. I'll, I'll put that one as it. Doug Plagans knows a little bit about that, too, and he has got the call for you just minutes away. I am Dan Day. For Matt Biff Wilson, you're listening to 560 The Joe Radio Rewind. Later, slug. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 